What if I told you you could get fresh oysters delivered to your doorstep? Would you be interested? Just go to JollyRogers.com, J-O-L-I-E-R-O-G-E-R-S.com, and you can get fresh oysters delivered to your doorstep from the Damascata River. You can order one dozen, two dozen, three dozen. You can order 100 oysters all on the website right now. Use code NINJA15 at checkout and you can get a discount on your whole entire order. Have a jolly oyster eating time. Hey, what's going on good people? It's Gardner Douglas, your Oyster Ninja. I truly hope you enjoy this episode of the Oyster Ninja podcast. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, you already know um, I've been taking a little off break, a little break, uh, just, you know, doing life stuff. And um, as you know, if you're following me on social media, I have the mobile oyster bar, so I've been busy with all these oyster events. Um, but of course, the winter is here, the fall is here, and um, it's time to focus back on the podcast. And hopefully, you're enjoying. You, hopefully, you will enjoy this episode with uh, Jolly Oysters and their raw bar. And hopefully, you enjoyed the last episode with um, FV Pork Chop. That was a cool episode. Just if if you haven't listened to it, go back listen to it. It was a real cool one. Um, just a young guy doing big things at his age. I can't really express that, you know, more, but, um, check it out if you haven't, um, for those who want to help out, um, I have a cash app. I have a Venmo. Um, it's Shuck daddy, S H U C K D A D D Y. If you, um, like what you hear and you want to help support the podcast, cash app Venmo It's Shuck daddy. Um, or just shoot me an email if you want to help out in other ways. Uh, OysterNinjaPC at gmail.com. Of course, um, I hope, like I said, I hope you enjoy this episode. And um, happy holidays to you. Um, Andy, what's going on, man? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here. I chuck oysters, grow oysters in the Damascata River. So we've got a farm and then we run a retail on that farm. Um, and then this past year we opened up a raw bar, um, we got our start doing oyster catering, kind of targeting the high-end wedding market and everything else sort of flowed from there. So, um, what's the name, what's the name of your oyster farm and raw bar and all that good stuff? Um, so the raw bar, it's Jolly Rogers raw bar, um, where that name comes from. Uh, my name is Andy Rogers, and then my business partner is a guy named Brian Jolly. And um, when we met, we sort of were joking that that would be a fun combination for a business. Um, so I had a logo drawn up, and before we knew it, we uh, took on the Oyster Catering. So we've been at that. Um, I guess the ideas started. We officially... We did all our paperwork at the end of 2018 and then and then launched 2019. So we when we started, I was actually at, at um, the University of New Hampshire uh, and I was driving four hours round trip up to um, where we are now to buy oysters from a woman named Barb Scully who started Glidden Point. Um, oysters back in the 80s and um she had sold that business a few years prior but was still operational and um 
So I was driving up and buying from her and then driving back about, you know, once a week doing that round trip and doing pop-ups in the, the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area um, and breweries and, you know, whoever would have us until we could get our first wedding. But two years ago, we ended up running it with her for a season. And then two years ago, we bought it from her because she was ready to, to sort of retire for real. And so that, that, the name of that business was Scully Sea Products. So that's where our oyster farm is based. It's a, it's a little retail, like an oyster farm stand, if you will. We got oysters, lobsters, clams. Um, and then out back, we've got our oyster farm where we're growing Mary Island oysters. Um, we've had our first harvest where it was us all the way through since we bought it uh, this year. It sounds fun, man. Uh, you talked a little bit about um, transitioning from like oyster pop-ups into like oyster catering and, um, you know, getting that first wedding gig. Uh, what was it like when you finally got that first wedding gig? It was good. I mean, we kind of had a plan and we, we stuck to it and we knew we kind of had faith that it would work. Um, I studied hospitality management and eco-gastronomy at school. So I was familiar with how catering contracts work and i've seen that that sort of event sales process a few times um and it took a little bit to get used to doing it myself um but that was really helpful kind of understanding how you charge um for events and time and sort of the the, the flow of that when i was studying it in school i never really thought i'd be utilizing it but then right I was happy that I had seen it when the time came, but um, yeah, I, I love working events. It's all of the hard, the money exchanging and the contracts and the communication happens beforehand. And then you get, you just get to focus on the oysters and the people and right. Oysters get people in good moods also um, to go along with the celebration. But um, you know, you talked about pricing, which is always like a trending topic or always, running across my mind, you know, with doing catering and stuff. So how do you justify charging what you charge? I guess is the easiest question. Yeah, Like I'm going to buy the nicest oysters, grow them myself. If I have to have a range of oysters that I'm knowledgeable about that I buy direct from farmers and shuck them really, really clean. I've been training quite a while to be very proficient in shucking. I basically spent the last four or five years focused on how do I create the best possible oyster experience and so as a brand we're really after that high end i get better at it every year but it's like if you want the best possible experience with people who have dedicated their careers to, to doing this as well as possible then that that costs money um so i, I don't know I, I think it sort of filters out in the sales process where Usually people will send a request for a proposal and then we give a proposal and in that proposal, we just have a minimum. I don't know. People see what we sort of lay out, how the structure of pricing works. And then that's, mm -hmm. that's how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Either Take it they or leave it. can't afford it and that's worth it to them or, or they don't. Um, right, right. I want to ask you, what do you think it took? to get to this level of expertise that you're at right now? Started, I would routinely shuck over a thousand oysters a day at the, the job I was working. They had a um, dollar oyster for lunch every day. 
which um, gets your volume up pretty fast. Um, but aside from volume, at a certain point, taking each oyster like an opportunity to get better at the thing, at, at a craft, you know, there's deliberate practice and then there's just getting the oysters open because it's a paycheck or, you know, I always really cared about shucking clean from the start and wanting to get better. There's something addictive about getting better at a skill. Um, and so I just, I had a, a lot of fun trying to dial that in. Well, just tell me a little bit about uh, your competition um, journey. Because mm -hmm. you competed in Maryland this year and you did pretty good. So, yeah, just tell me a little bit about your uh, competition journey. Yeah. Well, I guess one comment on your stream of thought there. I, I think cleanliness is always the most important factor. Um, you know, composite, competitions aside, it doesn't matter how fast you go. If you, if you can create a great experience and chuck a clean oyster and really honor honor that what it took to get that oyster to the table. Um, but competition-wise, uh, my first competition, I went down to Wellfleet, um, sort of around the time I was graduating from college and thinking about starting um, a business in oysters and going all in on that. I wanted to sort of see how I stacked up. Um, and I can't remember how well I placed, but I made it to the second day. Um, but I, I saw some guys that were really impressive. You know, I saw Chopper Young, Chuck, and um, Ben Morgan, and Steve Maureen, and and um, Kalen, and uh, some guys out of Rhode Island. I can't remember their names, but... Uh, I saw I had some work to do. There was like more ground to, to cover. And I, it sort of energized me to to want to get better at that. Um, so that's when I started shucking my hand because I, I noticed everybody up there was shucking in hand. Um, and I started trying to really dial it in my technique in a way that I never had before. Um, I was always trying to shuck cleaner and shuck fast, but I didn't really have anything to to compare it against. Um, yeah, so I guess I mostly just kind of did well fleet. I um, sort of had this idea in my head that if I could ever win well fleet, then I would go try nationals. Um, so my third year doing well fleet, I, I managed to win it. Um, and so that was one of those rare years where they don't, um, overlap, which I think is really annoying when they, um, those competitions should never overlap. We should be able to do both. Um, so yeah, then I, I went to Maryland and I, I saw a whole other level of co competitor. And so I was fired up to go back home and train and, you know, get, get better for that competition. But, you know, I, I just, watch the other shuckers, see what they're doing, take videos and sort of go back when I get home and, and watch them and see, is there anything I can take away from this? Um, last winter, I, I took a trip to Toronto and I was hanging out at Rodney's. So those guys, and I, I was like, all right, well, you know, what, what are they doing here? What's working? Um, and so I, I was able to apply some of those things to my technique this year. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've still got stuff to work on. This this year at, in Maryland, I got fourth. Um, but then, you know, we, we saw Honor Allen absolutely crush. What did he do, 157 after penalties? <laughs> so that would have been a 139 with 18 seconds of penalties, that's which crazy. is, you know, that's sort of what, in the back of my mind, that's what I'd like to train towards is if you could break two minutes for two dozen after penalties. I mean, that right. there'd be few people who could touch that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's impressive to see that happen in person. And um, yeah, I watched footage of myself checking. And, and one thing I had a Deller tip on my knife um, going into the competition because I wanted to sort of minimize my penalties. And I find if I have a really sharp tip, then it's easier to sort of um, accidentally um, make little cuts on the meat. And so after reviewing the footage, I, I saw that I was just losing too much time with the hinge. And so now, you know, I've sharpened up my knife and you know, going back to the drawing board. But well, I've, I've been trying to develop my own knife for a while. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm getting close. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I've also been watching some footage of you. And what I saw was actually it was pretty daggone smart. Um, well, it's, you know, everybody has their own style, but I, I like yours. Um, from what I saw is, it's like you um, were um, up on the knife. So you didn't allow a lot of the blade to go actually go in and in the oyster, which also that helps on penalties because you have more control. And then um, you don't have to worry about busting the belly as much, which is also smart. Um a couple other things, but we'll talk about it offline. I don't want to put all your stuff out there, but That's uh, all right. and, but no, you 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 got it, man. Um, great technique and um, con you know, just uh, consistently like doing every oyster, like pretty much the same. You know, um, I was like, damn, it was good. And actually, I remember when I was watching. Uh, I think you either had posted a video. Or you went live, but it was like doing a hundred oysters, I think, in like a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I managed seven minutes, nine seconds. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. I hope he don't come to Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Although those oysters, the oysters in Maryland are different than what we're shocking here. So anybody who's used to those those Chesapeake's are have an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Maryland, uh, like the Chesapeake oysters and like the golf oysters for sure. Um, let's, let's, let's turn the page a little bit, um, from shucking, um, starting your own raw bar, man. Like what, what's been the process like for that? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of paperwork and it was easier than it seems once you, once you get it, once you're on the other side of it, it's simpler, but there's not a lot of resources up front of like how to file for an LLC, what sort of, um, you know, what, what's all the, the legal stuff you have to satisfy? How do you get your, your um, permits? And, you know, that they, uh, they don't make it easy and super accessible generally to, to figure out how to do a lot of it. Um, and a lot of times it feels like you're almost in a gray area trying to figure out how to do pop-ups and, 
I mean, if you keep at it, you figure it out eventually, but, um, just getting over that hurdle is, is a huge step. And then from there, it's just kind of a grind, um, being out there and meeting people. And, uh, when we started, I was sort of, our goal was always to say how, you know, how many people can we make say that's the best oyster I've ever had? Um, you know, so I would drive direct to the farmer and pick up oysters from a region that wasn't as accessible where I was at the time. Um, and we'd bring them back and I would shock them as clean as possible and um, as fresh as possible and, you know, accumulated enough people that said that's the best oyster I've ever had um, to sort of build the business from there. I find unless people are blown away by something, they won't bring it up to their friends or talk about it or, you know, remember you two, two years down the line when they're getting married. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, um, because in this culture where, or in this day and time where like restaurants aren't even like staying open, you know, I just saw one of my favorite, um, the local oyster um, closed down in Baltimore. Um, which I never thought, you know, that would happen because they just, they got a good, they got a good thing going or they had a good thing going. I thought, you know what I mean? But you know, everybody, you just see what they show you. Right. Um, but what keeps you going, man? Um, as far as like uh, the ups and downs of being in the, the restaurant life. I mean, I, I pick something that I love to do. I love opening oysters and, um, have never really have never gotten tired of that and I, and I but I love the people I think um, oysters are a great medium um, to allow me to meet a lot of people if I'm at a wedding or pop-up or something you know people have to walk up to you and then you have a certain amount of control over the interaction um, so you get to meet a lot of great people um, and that's I think that's really what hospitality is all about you know it's, it's you it's important to have a good product people are there for the well shocked oysters but um you know at the end of the day people want to come somewhere and feel like somebody cared for them and and um we're grateful that they're there and just engaged with them on a human level i i think that's that's really um one of the things that keeps me going I, people will always be there and then the, the craft of homing honing the skills is is sort of this this other thing that's that's addictive and fun and um competitions are like a good measure for that but it's it's hard running we just opened a restaurant this year and it's it's not easy it's more overhead and more risk we're going into winter in maine which is a very tourist driven economy especially where we are right um so we're sort of figuring out how to find our way through the winter and and just make it to the next season when people are back um it's tough it's a lot of hours i haven't had many days off so <laughs> right what does the um restaurant industry i mean i know it's like you know dead because of not it's no tours but so what do you guys do, I guess, to, is it easy as just cutting back or cutting back hours or like, what, how do you supplement over the winter? Because I know like, even for us, like, uh, you know, 
oysters growing like they're, they're kind of just dormant during that time right mm-hmm. so what do you guys do during that time period well we're, we're figuring it out right <laughs> um, <laughs> good answer. before when it was just the catering and the you know the the farming retail operation we would go till new year's get through the holidays and then sort of take a break until the spring um but this year we're going to go all the way through and you know, just we're just going to try as much stuff as possible. Uh, we're already on kind of a bare bones crew, so it's easy enough to um, keep the labor costs down and we'll minimize our hours and find as many ways as we can to keep our expenses low and, and we'll, uh, we'll just make it work. <laughs> I feel you, you got to do what you got to do. I understand yeah, that. Totally. Come um, up with events, drum up excitement. Right. Who knows? Get, get some music in here. People love music. <laughs> how do you, I got, how do you deal with um, a person who says, or ask a question first? Um, oh, um, you know, I only eat oysters in the months that end with R. And how do you guys stay open for business? Uh, when you can't eat oysters uh, during the R months? Yeah, I mean, the R month thing is sort of outdated. Um, we do work with um, the Australia Edulis, the, the European flat oyster that that season really applies to. Um, but it's more of a special thing that we bring out, you know, during the season when it when we have it. And it's not sort of, it's not the backbone of our, our business um but yeah you can eat oysters all year it's just seasonal um and actually like the fall is my favorite time to eat oysters the early uh late winter early spring is my least favorite time to eat oysters um but that doesn't mean you can't do it they're just sort of thin and struggling after so going in survival mode all winter Mm-hmm. Um, you find a lot more dead ones and personally that makes them a lot less appealing um, but they're they're still tasty and if you have a knowledgeable shucker there's no reason you know dead oysters will ever end up on your plate you kind of know it immediately um, I don't yeah, think there's so. <laughs> much death there is on an oyster farm generally that you don't see on the consumer side you, you estimate 50% loss of the seed that you put in, you know, um, over three, the three years it takes to get to a market here. Every year I feel like, uh, you know, I get that question more and more, especially during this year when we had, or when it was like, a, you know, a lot of news people covering uh, people getting sick from oysters and things. And, oh, and, you know, even it, it really picked up then. Um, but yeah, all we can do is, you know, just spread the word and, you know, just let people know what's going on, what the what the real word is. Why should someone come to your raw bar? Well, what what can they expect when they come to your raw bar? Yeah, well, we've got um, years of of restaurant experience. Um, so we've been cooking and um, working in restaurants for a lot longer than we've been super involved with the oysters. Um, so, I mean, you should expect a really uh, 
flawlessly shocked oyster very consistently. We're going to take care in selecting the oysters. So some of them will come from our farm or, you know, a lot of the oysters we get, we can hold in our wet storage in the Damariscotta River, even if it's not our own. So we can harvest that right now. If I wanted to run to the farm and harvest something, I could probably do it under an hour and bring it back in here. Um, so we have a lot of control over freshness. Everything's as direct as possible, as few middlemen. Um, and then when you sit down to a tray of oysters, we have um, an oyster card where we will give a couple sentences about e each oyster. So you can learn about them and reference it as you're eating them. And that way, you know, a lot of oyster bars will just get this blurb from the server or the shucker or whoever you can get a hold of about each oyster. But um, it's nice to have all those tasting notes with you while you're eating them so you can reference them and learn, um, you know, and then maybe start to see patterns like the top culture oysters versus bottom culture oysters. They all have these similar flavor profiles. And maybe you notice a difference between the stuff from Northern Maine and, you know, the stuff um, closer to Southern Maine um, and different bodies of water. And, you know, we, we do, we want to do as much as we can to educate and, you know, I'm, pretty much always here. So I'm accessible. If anyone has questions, I try to go to every table as long as we're not super busy and um, you know, have those interactions where people can ask further questions. Um, but we do a lot of other great stuff too. It's not just about oysters are a uh, focus for us, but it's um, we also cook a lot of food. We make a beautiful bluefin tuna tartare and um, we were doing this awesome scallop ceviche, um, from a, a scallop farmer up in, um, based near Belfast and all kinds of other food. That's not, you know, we, we have a gorgeous hummus plate with lots of local vegetables that we roast up and, and I make crackers from scratch and, uh, just put a, a crab tortellini dish on the menu or make a pasta from scratch and you know, we, we really do spend a lot of time sourcing you know our produce and, and our other ingredients just as um with just as much care as we do in sourcing all the oysters that we bring in so um are you guys do you guys run any uh are you running any specials or anything you know, particular dishes going on right now that, that people might could look forward to yeah, well, so one thing to know is we don't have a hotline. We don't have a hood vent. Uh, someday we'd like to have more hot capacity, but to start everything uh, sort of running with that limitation so we can prep a lot of stuff and, you know, heat up chowders and, and soups and different things. Um, but unfortunately, our venue is all that you know, we have to, it's good to have limitations because then we get more creative on how how to come up with cool stuff uh, despite that. But yeah, it's a good place to, to just have some oysters and then a bunch of small plates. And it, um, if you want to get full, it's easy to get full here. Um, some people walk in and they, they don't see any like, entree style plates on the menu and they think, oh, I can't have dinner here. But, you know, just... Just order order some oysters and a bunch, you know, a couple of small plates and, and you're there. 
or you can eat the, we have a pretty hearty flam chowder. You can eat that with a giant slab of bread we serve it with. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty hearty. It'll make you full pretty fast. <laughs> what do you serve your oysters with? Do you um, serve them with, uh, do you do cocktail sauce? Yeah, we, we do have a cocktail sauce. Um, we have lemon cocktail sauce and mignonette. We make it all from scratch. It's sort of our own blends. Um, I personally have never loved cocktail sauce. It's uh, not how I would enjoy an oyster. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I always say that if you're if you're enjoying an oyster, then you're doing it right. But if you really want to taste an oyster, probably just eat it plain. Mm -hmm. um, but sort of my, my compromise is I've, I've designed a cocktail sauce that's very, um, it's more citrusy and it's less ketchup heavy. So I, I do uh, fresh, fresh grated horseradish, um, backbone of it, it's still pickle puree. And then there's caper. Um, you've got your, uh, just, just enough ketchup to make it a cocktail sauce and some you know, crushed tomato. What else we throw in there? A lot of lime juice, the usual suspects like Worcestershire and um, and hot sauce and stuff like that. Um, but it, it it's still within the realm of a cocktail sauce, but it's a lot brighter. It's more citrusy. It, it complements the oyster a little bit more. Um, and I've seen people eat it straight. You know, they they just like the play <laughs> the flavor of the sauce, I guess. I think I mean, same good, thing with uh, the mignonette. I think mignonettes tend to be really, really vinegary. So we right. designed one that's a little more balanced. It's got more lemon juice. We use um, a product called Verjou, which is like a tart grape juice. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we sort of balance it out. We make it uh, a classic mignonette, but it it doesn't. It's not like this aggressive punch of vinegar. It's uh, it's more level. <laughs> What about um? What's your perfect uh, oyster and wine pairing? Do you have Do you uh, have a preference? I don't think there's a perfect pairing. I mean, as long as it's not like some really heavy, uh, tannic red wine, then you're probably in good shape. Um, but truthfully, if you're drinking what you like and enjoy, it's you're probably not going to be far off enjoying the oysters um but the obvious go-to's are like light um dry whites um you know pet nats and um or even like if you want to go into a red category you can do a lambrusco style like a chilled red that's got maybe got some effervescence to it it's a little lighter um Yeah, what is just drink whatever you like. It's probably gonna be good. The only thing I wouldn't would absolutely not have with with oysters is coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, coffee and oysters is probably one of the worst pairings. I taste a lot of oysters in the morning, and I would make sure to cleanse my palate before eating the oysters. Between oysters and black coffee, it was not not the thing. <laughs> one of my least favorite things <laughs> right. to experience. <laughs> um well man I'm, I'm gonna say thank you for um taking time out i know you're busy today getting ready and everything um so really appreciate you 
um, stopping by on the podcast, finally getting you on here. Um, champion oyster shucker restaurateur now waiting on the book to drop. Not nah, sure, but you never know, right? You never know. Book, I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I wish you much luck, man. Um, going into 2024, and um, you know, I, I hope you have a a busy holiday season. We get some holiday parties up under your belt. Yeah, so the restaurant is in uh, Wiscasset, Maine. Uh, we're an hour north of Portland. Um, so if you're familiar with Red Seats, the, the lobster roll place, we're like two buildings down from them with a view, um, a view of the water on Railroad Ave. Um, you can find us at jollyrogersrawbar.com. And then for all of your oyster shipping needs, jollyrogers.com. That's J-O-L-I-E-R-O-G-E-R-S. Um, yeah, we've always stuck to the tagline, Shucks Like a Champion. And, um, you know, that I've always been committed to getting better at shucking, but also it's, it's just about being a champion for the oysters and making sure uh, all the hard work that ends up happening to produce that oyster, bringing to the plate is honored and respected. And um, there's people out there educating about oysters and, and sharing great as great experiences as possible. 